Race matters. 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 I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long after us. It's a meeting place for sharing knowledge stories and song, and we are privileged to be part of that storytelling today and every day at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present, We're broadcasting from Redfern right now, the birthplace of black theatre in this country and a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. You're listening to Race Matters. This is a show made by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I am Sharika Halaludin. On today's show, we're exploring what it is to continue to tell stories across evolving digital landscapes and the need to teach younger generations to care for, learn and grow alongside country. That's done in creative ways with the multimedia First Nations theatre production Saltbush that's on now at the Sydney Opera House until April 17. It's a production that follows two friends discovering and growing an understanding of the land and how that challenges and provokes their personal journeys. Using painting, dance, sensory cameras and interactive storytelling, Saltbush is a production that intends to engage young people in the complexities of culture and land. It not only uses technology, but envisions decolonial storytelling as technology in and of itself. Guest host for Race Matters, Malika Gazula chatted to one of the show's performers, Bala Luke, about all of this, as well as what it's been like to be an interdisciplinary storyteller in a show that's been on stage for over a decade. Saltbush is an all-ages interactive journey through First Nations culture using light projections and digital technology, immersing audiences in its paintings, dance and storytelling. It has spanned over a decade of performances across the globe and has just made a return to the Sydney Opera House now until April 17. My name is Malika Gazula and I'm here with Luke Curry-Richardson to learn more about the Saltbush production and the unique intersection of First Nations storytelling melding with digital technologies. My name is Luke Curry-Richardson. I'm a dancer, performer, storyteller in the production Saltbush. I'm lucky to have come into this production at an older age where I've been uh, 34 now. And for the later part of, or 
most of my adult life has been about this connection or this identity, my black indigeneity, I guess, and how do I navigate that in contemporary so-called Australia. It's helped me ex um, express that to a younger generation, to explore that and to um, teach them that navigating multiple different landscapes throughout this country this um, is quite different you know, as we transverse this, this time and, and, and place, yeah. And I guess why was it important to create something like this for young people and kind of, I don't know, get, the, get them to have some awareness of these stories from like a young age? Education's the key from day dot, you know. It, that, that, that old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks is, is don't know if that's a lie or so much truthful or not, but if we can get to the younger generation in this country, then the change will happen eventually, you know, generations away. And um, any type of early stage education like this, especially within the theatre, so we can make it fun and accessible for them and make them a part. I think one of the biggest things for me is that Aboriginal culture for people that aren't, First Nations seems like it's unaccessible. You know, they think it's they think it's out back Australia in the desert, sitting in you know this or that, and you know that's a part of it. But we're also here in contemporary Australia and in, in the cities and and you know regional areas as well. So I think a part of it for me as well is being able to invite non-Indigenous children and parents on the floor with us to be a hey, this is our culture. It's it's living. It's breathing. It's it's an it's not this, you know, it is mystical, but it's not this, you know, myth. You know, we're not, a, we're not a fairy tale. We're actual people. We're an actual living, breathing culture. So I think it's important to get that, you know, early days, early years. Can you speak also to how um, this, like, understanding and connection to the land relates to the audience and some of the interactive elements um, they get to encounter in this work? The overarching um, story for us and the narrative is for us just to care for country and it will care for us. Um, to not, yeah, to not be afraid of country, to enjoy it. Um, there is one scene there, which is the, the city scene, which also, you know, touches on colonisation and the destruction of country. Um, but it's basically trying to get kids to witness and experience multitudes of different countries within the space while touching on the importance of caring for country you know and I think in that part it's also a contemporary representation of our traditional practices as well so hopefully they can feel that slight yeah, connection right. and I guess a contemporary version of our culture as well yeah so because I mean there's lots of um you know kind of cutting edge technology that you've used um as part of the experience um, you know, you the show incorporates infrared and sensory cameras. Um, it's like a multimedia theatre. Like, are there any conversations around what it could mean to be utilising technology in a space like this to disentangle it from colonial power? Like, have you kind of encountered ways of decolonizing technology as part of the process of telling the story of Saltbush? I'm a photographer as well, and... Um, the one I'm thinking of is um, the, the drone photographer down here in Nam, Salty. 
Oh, I forgot his Instagram, but he takes these amazing aerial views of his artwork that is, um, um, I guess, painted or created on the earth. And that's how a lot of our art is, our, our paintings were um, created from this aerial view, this aerial point of view. So I don't think it hasn't been influenced before with it i think we've incorporated and totally um i guess grown with the technology around us and that's why i identify as a storyteller and not a multidiscipline artist because i think mm. storyteller as a first nations man is innately me it's in my dna you know it's we we still do corroborees and ceremonies out on country but we're also doing them in the opera house you know the art center in melbourne whatever it may be carriage works um, as a photographer, we, we, we still do our paintings on canvases and bark paintings, but now I'm a photographer and we can put them up in a frame and chuck them in an art gallery. And um, yeah, I, I think storytelling has evolved naturally with us and we've adapted to the, the, the colonization of what that is, the Western, Western forms, you know, we've got our storytellers and we've, we've evolved with the mediums. Yeah. As a storyteller, are there ways that you have experienced the impact of sharing truths and story to enact meaningful change for the communities you're part of? I've been lucky enough to um, navigate multiple genres and multiple streams, you know, from modelling to poetry to photography to dancing. Um, one of them that really sticks out is uh, I was... My style of photography is photojournalism. And I was capturing the 26th of Jan protest down here in Nam. And Nam know how to throw a protest. Like people turn up in, in the tens of thousands. It's massive. It was my first big protest down here. And I'm making my way through the crowd and I see this young kid. He has the most optimal position on one of the tram railways that was in front of Parliament House. And I kind of just looked at him and I was like, oh, I need this shot. I want this shot. Can I, can I get up there? And his mum was like, yeah, bring him down. He can come. He can jump back up after you, little young Indigenous boy. And I, I jump up and I take my photos and the kids watch, snapping and watching away and I come down and the little kid's like, mum, I want a camera like that. And I was like, oh, look, it's a, it's a quite a pricey camera, but, um, <laughs> you know, definitely start off in photography. And the mum started asking me questions about photography out of no, out of the blue, you know, and we're at this protest, you know, for a really important reason. And this kid's taken an interest in me taking a photo of the event. So, um, that, that, was, that was a real special one because it's usually the, the performance aspect. It's usually the dancing where kids are like, whoa, and the spectacle of dancing that is um, that, that captures them and captures their, their imagination like that. But for a kid to just see me taking photos and goes, oh, I want a camera like that and I want to be a photographer is just like, caught me off guard and really, whoa, yeah. But also the poetry realm that I've been able to navigate. Um, I failed English at a... It sounds really ridiculous. The Aboriginal boy failing English, like, okay. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's poetic in itself. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, I did really low level English in high school and um, created a fear or a, or a trauma to writing. I, I was told for a long time, this is not right. You know, punctuality is all shot, whatever it may be. I didn't write 
for a very long time, it was something that I was like, I can't do that. I literally can't do that. And it wasn't till late twenties where um, I, I had a manager and they were like, you need to push more content on your Instagram. And I was like, not keen on it, but I had written through my responses to, um, to happenings in Australia, events that were happening against our bombing of sacred sites, deaths in custody. Um, I found myself growing more and more angry as a black man in today's society and dancing wasn't doing it. Um, dancing was a job and photography was making me more angry because I was taking pro photos at our protests with a lot of sadness. Um, and one day I just started writing and um, I started sharing these, these, I guess, segments on my Instagram. And from there, um, a poetry community started following me and one young brother actually come up to me and he performed a poetry a reading as a as a welcome to country and he was like you actually inspired me to write and I was like and yeah I just for someone that failed English that had a fear of writing um to now use the English language to weaponize that against the English I guess or the western system um, for another brother to reach out and be like, you inspired me to write, like, you're one of my favourite poets. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, this is my journal entries. This is me expressing my feelings. I didn't, yeah, I, I, I don't really understand the people that appreciate the stuff that I do. You know, you just, you create hoping to create, or for me personally, I create to express myself, to help me through my stuff, you know, and... And then people are watching and people are listening and people are buying tickets to see your show. And, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's real humbling. I think it just goes back to history. I think in going back to the education and starting with the next generation, you know, um, me personally, like I said earlier, I'm not, I, I failed, didn't do too well in the, I guess, the theory side of school, physical side of school, like high flyer, basketball, captain, dance, whatever it may be. Um, and I think this is a one, one aspect of that education, you know, and it's, it's how do we teach these kids the culture of Australia while being immersed in it? Um, and not from a book, from, from First Nations people, from the physicality of our culture. How do we, how do we teach that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, that, yeah, that would really just make me feel, like you've you've accomplished so much just in that one moment alone where something that was a huge struggle and then a triumph for you has is now like trickling down to other people who who are fans of your work that's the beauty of the creative community i think as artists and contemporary dance artists in particular you know we're not in it for money we don't make a whole heap of money but what is the legacy that we can leave behind you know what's the 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 echo of our voice that we can you know that we can leave? How do we create pathways to continue to tell our stories on these, these big stages or, or these art galleries or whatever it may be? And how do we affect change on an other level that isn't, um, I guess, the football player that's getting paid big money that, you know, runs around and gets smashed every week, you know, good ways, love you footy players, big fan, but <laughs> <laughs> the musicians like the Nookies, the the Ryan Clapham's or Dobby's and Barker and seeing how they write and articulate themselves using word was also a way for me to be like, oh, dang, 
like the the power and anger of of a nookie character with the the flow and um you know you know the storytelling of of Ryan Clapperman the unapologeticness that Barker brings was just like oh I, maybe I can try that maybe I'm not a rapper but maybe what that is in spoken word or poetry yeah And I guess in in a similar vein to to what we're talking about in terms of wanting to see, um, you know, representation, people who have taken risks and pers- and pursued, you know, creative careers, and then that kind of has its its effect on on other people in the community to sort of pick themselves up and give it a go. Does that have a similar effect in in what you're doing with Saltbush in terms of like, you know, I guess the the young people and the audience members get to witness like like dance get to witness storytelling like do you do you anticipate there being maybe a few young people who are inspired to pursue a creative field it's a really great introductory to theater for young kids you know um i was a sports player i was a footy player basketball player and the theater for me was a very white space it was a very um ooh i'm going to the theater bit hoi tori la di da um, and I still find that to this day. It's oh, still a little bit like, ooh, you know, tickets for, you know, events are a bit crazy and whatnot. But I found that Saltbush for me was a, um, is a great introductory for kids' theatre, you know. I remember watching it in 2016, I think it was, it was the last time I was at the Opera House and I went, I got no kids. I went as an adult and I was crying in one of the scenes. So it's also quite... Um, it also does something to the adults, you know. I've had grandparents come up and, um, and yeah, it, in absolute tears, there was one instance where um, there's a star section. It's the, the night sky section. And J- uh, Jada talks about the stars are our ancestors. And this old lady comes up to me after the show and she's already crying. And her husband had passed a, a couple of weeks or a month uh, earlier, I think. And obviously the grandkids were dealing with that in their way. And um, she's like, thank you. I keep telling the kids that, you know, Poppy's up in the stars. That's, you know, whenever you need your grandfather, look up to the stars. And Jada says, these are your ancestors. And she's in tears and such a surreal thing. But going back to your question, I think it being a great influence and a great starter to um, theatre for kids allows them to see that, hey, I can I can do that, especially because they are on the dance floor with us. And I think <laughs> yeah. I think the magical thing, every show is different. The most magical thing with kids is that they're always performing or they're always creating or they're always imagining something, a world outside of this world, whether it's toys or singing with no one caring or dancing to the slightest rhythm. It's So once some of these kids get on stage, it's just, it's their show. They take over and they're just full and we, we allow it. We try to make the show. Um, the one thing we don't want is parents to, to, to oppress that urge to create or to dance or to shout out whatever it may be from the side. You know, this is a kid's show. It's for them. It's not for us adults to, you know, it's, yeah. So, um, I would love to hope so. I would love to hope that a kid out there is inspired by Saltbush and 
whether they go back and teach them about the the multiple landscapes and the the caring for country or they're like hey I can do that as well I dance at the opera house with Bala Luke I guess for you on a personal level like what was it like um for you to step into such a unique and deep-rooted production like because it's been going since 2009 and and you're fairly new so yeah what has it been like for you to sort of step into this this team like I, I I've come I followed in the footsteps of many other great performers you know Sunny Townsend, Dion Hastings, Phil Dean Walford, uh, Kalina Sainsbury there's 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 Rosie Pierce and there's a whole array of black storytellers that I get to follow in the footsteps and I never actually thought I was um I guess on the radar to be in the show and it came at a really great time as well um performing another contemporary show and for me I think contemporary arts contemporary dance is so serious it's like what do you need to say and how do we say it and and yeah it came at a time where I come off the back of a quite heavily heavy traumatic show um and I I gave them the warning I was like look I'm coming out of this show um it might take me a little bit of time to calm down and it took me my first show where kids were like jumping on me and playing with me. I was like whoa okay no it's not it's um um it's an honor to be a part of this production it's for a legacy that's toured the world you know many times over had has had three months stints in China in Paris um South America it's yeah i think it's that legacy you know that when they first created it 10 years ago what is that legacy that they tried to create and how do you pass that on and you see it continuously pass on to generation to generation and i'm just i'm i would like to hope that i'm not the last one uh you know there's going to be another young young dancer that continue on the story and it's going to keep living and you know and maybe there's another creation of saltbush and another version of it and yeah it's 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 a magical show and it's something that I you know selfishly want to hold on to forever but um knowing that I am just a little little drop in the ocean compared to the you know the 10 years it's been a part of this 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 creative climate yeah yeah with with all of this in mind like what do you hope audiences will take away from experiencing saltbush the big one is to care for country um that that's it seems more and more important every day you know with all the climate crisis that's going on in the world not even just this country but um yeah to prioritize country i i've always tackled and struggled with this idea of how um i guess police and the western society can be so precious about 100-year-old buildings and and statues and heritage listed don't put anything on this wall here at Carriageworks because it's a heritage listed site <laughs> and then you know in the same breath they can go up and blow up a sacred site over in WA or you know or poison rivers in in New South Wales where all these fish are floating to the surface and um you know da- damn the rivers sorry and um it just to change the thinking you know like the western way isn't the right way all the time it's it's not and there's alternative ways to that um maybe it's a bit that's a bit heavy for young kids to take away but for the parents as well but also to realize that we were act we're actual people we're not this thing you hear on murdoch news of negative stereotypes of these people that you don't witness you know come and have a conversation with us have a um 
come dance with us, come young with us. We're, we're real people. Our culture is a real thing and it's continuing today. It's not something that stopped when y'all came over here, you know, like we continue these cultures, we continue storytelling, we're, we're living, breathing peoples. We're the oldest living continuous culture in the world. Like we're still here. We're ebbing and flowing with the, with the times. We're changing our ways where we tell our stories. We're, we're, we're doing it, we're here. So I highly suggest adults to come as well. I think, um, like I said earlier, we don't we don't take kids shows seriously, and it has its own category when it comes to best performance or it's like best theater show here, and it's like well, and then it's like best kids show, and it's just like actually, it's still a theater show. You can still learn a lot of things, and it can hopefully take you back to your childhood and rem help you remind remind yourself about I guess the playfulness of life, the innocence of life, um, the magic of life especially if you're working your nine to five and you're grinding in the city, in Sydney. Um, take an hour of your day just to come out and, and play. That is all for Race Matters this week. I'm Sharika Hallaludin. Thank you so much to our guest host, Malika Gazula, for bringing us that chat alongside multidisciplinary storyteller and performer in the Saltbush production, Bala Luke. If you want to learn more and get tickets to the show, there are two more today and tomorrow. Just head to our show notes at fbiradio.com slash race matters, where you can also listen back to all of our episodes. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters. Race matters.